Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Sunny Betty. Sunny is the Chief Information Officer and Chief Data Officer of Snowflake, a roughly $2 billion revenue data cloud platform provider. In only three and a half years in the role, the company has grown from 1,300 employees when Sunny arrived to nearly 7,000 employees today. Sunny's team has helped ensure the company doesn't become a victim of its own success by providing the architecture necessary to enable that growth. Sonny is both customer zero for Snowflake's products, but he also spends a remarkable 70% of his time with customers. I look forward to hearing more about his collaboration with both sets of constituents. Sonny joined Snowflake from NVIDIA, where he was a senior technology executive, and he's served on the board of GitLab for nearly two years. Sonny Betty, welcome to Technovation. Great to speak with you today. Thank you, Peter, for having me on your podcast. It's a pleasure. And now for a word from our partner, Quantify, and the company's co-founder and president, Asif Hassan. Asif, what do you see as differentiating factors between those companies that successfully harness the power of AI and those that don't? Sure. So, Peter, in the last 10 years, uh, we've done over 2,500 AI projects across over 350 customers in nine industries. And we see a few common patterns in the ones who have got it right. So the first factor is culture. The most successful organizations foster a culture of curiosity and experimentation. Second is the presence of a champion, someone who's a true believer in the power of AI and is willing to let the team experiment, fail, learn, and evolve. Third, of course, the technology and talent enablement plays a big role. And the last, but definitely not the least, these businesses have thought about the human aspect of the work that they are going to do with AI. And when the confluence of these factors has happened, we have seen magic happen, and these customer relationships have grown bigger and faster than what we would have ever imagined. And now on to the interview. Well, Sunny, I thought we'd begin with uh, your company, uh, Snowflake. Many who are watching or listening to this will be familiar with the company, but would love to have you provide an overview of Snowflake's business. Absolutely. So Snowflake is a true data cloud platform that is evolving and changing every minute. It enables customers to put all their data, uh, remove the silos associated with traditional uh, databases that existed in the past. Uh, and then really take advantage of correlating all this data and drive incredible insights and outcomes for their corporations. Very interesting. And I, I wonder if you could take a quick moment and provide an overview of your role, both as CIO and CDO. What does it entail, please? Sure. So I have I play three roles at Snowflake. I um, run the traditional IT organization, which is the CIO role. And then I also play the chief data officer, uh, in that capacity, I'm customer zero for all the new technology that we're uh, releasing to the marketplace. The whole idea is that we test every aspect of new features, functionality internally, be a good custodial of that technology internally and give input back to engineering so that by the time we go to customers, uh, we are really delighting uh, the experience of how they enjoy Snowflake. Uh, and we're data-driven culture company, so uh, data is really important for us internally to manage. So my job is to make sure that we make data as self-service, as seamless, remove every friction so that employees internally can take advantage of the data. Uh, and then I also oversee the security function for Snowflake. Fascinating that you are able to provide such remarkable insight uh, to the rest of the organization as customer zero. But I know that you also spend, as I mentioned in the introduction, roughly 70% of your time with customers. That's a remarkably high amount. And I wonder if you could talk a bit about 
the insights you're able to uh, derive and those collaborations that you have with customers. Talk a bit about uh, that that part of your responsibilities, if you would. Yeah, look, I, I believe that uh, as a buyer, as a CIO and a CDO, anything that I buy in the ecosystem, it's really important for me to validate that the solution that, that I'm buying from, does the supplier actually use their technology or not? And at what capacity? So now you can imagine that when our sales teams are selling, the persona on the other side is somebody who looks like me, who has the same function like me. There's two aspects of my involvement with customers. Obviously, the first involvement is prospects that have not become customers yet. They want to evaluate how Snowflake uses Snowflake. So we have an active program on that called Snowflake on Snowflake. So I share with them how the Snowflake is architected internally, what are the use cases that we're using it for, and give them the conviction and validation that they need on selecting Snowflake for their ecosystem. And then the second modality is uh, as customers you know, go through their journey of implementing Snowflake, uh, they're trying to find use cases that might not have been turned on for them that we have turned on internally, or we have helped customers turn on in, in their ecosystem. So there's a lot of knowledge sharing about what best practices are, what the next set of use cases are, especially as we evolve the product, new technologies are being introduced, new features are being introduced. They always want to kind of hear from us on how we're using that internally. Fascinating. So you, yours is a role that really helps bring to life the art of the possible in many ways, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, I also wanted to ask you about the remarkable growth. I mentioned the employee numbers and how they've grown in a very short amount of time. And yours is a role that has helped uh, ensure that the architecture is in place such that the organization doesn't become a victim of its own success. This is not the first time you've gone through uh, staggering growth. You, you came to Snowflake from NVIDIA, which has also been a juggernaut. Talk a bit about the methods that you use to ensure that technology is, in fact, well-prepared ahead of the rest of the organization, anticipating where it's going uh, in the process. Really good question. I think uh, it kind of starts with really IT organization building uh, a strong partnership with the business on all the automation that's needed by function and having clarity in what's going to happen and what sequence is going to happen. And resulting in a roadmap. So, you know, for finance, for example, we have a roadmap that we have developed with our office of the CFO. Uh, for the office of the chief revenue officer, we have developed, developed a similar type of a roadmap on what type of automation they need from us, when do they need from us, and then really giving them the clarity on when those things would actually be achieved by. Not having the, that clarity and not having that roadmap creates misalignment. So the first step is creating a roadmap. And then the second part of that journey is to really invest in platforms. Typically, what happens is some of the scaling challenges are that you have bought solutions that are really not platform-based. They're more pocket solutions. So we're a high believer that we need to invest in platforms. Sometimes they may take longer to achieve, but it really scales properly as you invest in that automation journey. And so, so again, roadmap followed by... Um, strong execution and choosing the right platform. And then finally, third aspect of it is really developing teams uh, that are really more global in nature. You know, So we have built a strong team both uh, in the US as well as internationally so that we can actually scale properly. Having all of that in one location, in one geography 
uh, especially for the IT data and security teams, could be very, very challenging. Uh, we want to have an ability to actually grow that in a very graceful manner, scale that in a very graceful manner. Fascinating to hear more about your, your thoughts and your playbook. I, I also wanted to note you joined just prior to the pandemic. And I, I, how have you thought about during those times as you were coming on board, primarily virtually, of building a team? And, you know, everyone certainly who joined or many people who joined after you also were not regularly together. Uh, talk a bit about how you have brought to life the culture that is Snowflake's with a, an organization that, through much of your tenure, has had to collaborate virtually? Yeah, great question. So look, I mean, I joined in January of 2020. I went to the office like six to seven weeks and then pandemic hit and, you know, and then we kind of really were remote the whole time until August, September of last year, right, when things started to open up and we started going back to the office. So yeah, so 80, 90% of my tenure with Snowflake, I would say, is has been remote. So it's been really interesting. And I would say that 80, 90% of the hiring has also been during pandemic for at least for the IT data and security team. So obviously, uh, fortunately, through the network of people that we know and the people who work at Snowflake, we got recommended some really great additional hires that we did during that time. Uh, to be more specific around your question around how do you develop the right set of tone and culture, I would say that it kind of starts with first principles, right? Like we wanted to be like a data-driven company. We wanted to be a data-rich culture company. So we developed a, a set of metrics, set of KPIs that we would measure how we are all performing, how our processes are performing, how our systems are performing, how our people are performing. And so that's led to a high degree of, you know, integrity and transparency into our process. Second, I would say is that, you know, we've been very, very inclusive in involving people at, at all decision levels. Decisions are not made at the top level and just nested down, but it's kind of done from bottoms up, you know, as well. So uh, we have developed the right set of forums. You know, I'll give you an example of it. I have my first meeting on Monday morning is my operations metrics review, for example. And in this operations metrics review, we use Snowflake to measure uh, and monitor all aspects of the health of IT data and security. Uh, it's open to every single employee that is part of these three organizations. And we have a very high active participation at all aspects of the organization that attend this uh, meeting. And one week we cover, for example, user experience. One week we cover security and compliance. One week we cover how our demand and capacity is doing. So we have really created a strong health uh, metrics, healthy metrics that we want to measure and monitor. And we track everything in, in Snowflake. And so when we have that discussion on Monday, it's really the right side of you know insights that are being shared across the organization. And it's a very uh, productive meeting. And, and we go after what's really showing as a problem in these metrics. And that's helping us prioritize the initiatives that we're trying to do internally in the organization. Well, you've mentioned throughout the conversation the sanctity of data uh, for very good reason, as it's the nature of the organization's business and, and your role as chief data officer as well. And, and I wonder if you could talk a bit about the evolution of data across the enterprises that you serve. Um, what sorts of insights do you have in terms of, uh, in terms of its evolution? Yeah, so look, I mean, I think we think of yeah, from an IT and data professionals that you know are on my team, even security, we kind of think of 
data just like we think of security, right? Any new automation that we're implementing, any new system that we're building, we think about uh, data to be at the heart of it, right? We don't want to think of data uh, after the fact. Typically what happens is the IT organizations are in a hurry to get systems implemented and because they have a deadline, they have a system that they want to go implement and go live with it. And they tend to think of data after the fact. We don't think that way. We think of it right at the heart of it, right at the beginning of it, right from the get-go of the project. So that's kind of really helped put the rigor and discipline that the data is uh, implemented with that automation. And as and as a result of that, all of the, the initiatives that we want to measure before and after gets captured at the heart of the implementation. So any new system that we go live with, you know, we measure the before and after. And we don't just tend to do that only at that time. We also cannot then operationalize those set of metrics and evolve them as the automation takes its maturity, whether it's the financial systems, whether it's our sales system, whether it's our security systems, part of operationalizing them and having them really work its magic, you have to have an ability to measure them. If you can't measure them, uh, you can't drive the right outcomes. We really believe in that. What's next to come, I kind of feel like the next set of uh, things that we're working on now is now, now that the plumbing is in place, the data is there, how do you make the business unit leaders uh, really think and imagine of incredible outcomes that they want to do, what they want to build, leveraging the data, integrating that data from other sources, and then again, you know, driving you know incredible machine learning AI type of use cases that that you know they can take advantage of it because our platform allows them to collaborate and to um, you know integrate that with other sources of data. Staying with those points for a moment longer, if we could, Sonny, what have you seen as somebody who does have a reason to, to speak with so many clients, as we've noted, uh, what do you see as some of the key differentiators among clients of yours that are data leaders versus data laggards? What sorts of um, processes or methods do they use, practices, skills do they you know, put, put forth among their team and so forth? What are, what are some of those ingredients that you see as the, the difference makers along the way? Yeah, I think I think it starts, you know, obviously with being a, a strong data rich culture company and having that culture to really play out. And, you know, obviously those are sometimes can, can be buzzwords, but hard to implement them internally. So I would say the ones that are really strong have a truly have a high degree of rich data rich culture inside the organization. Second is I think um, the inclusiveness of who gets that aspect of data and the inclusivity of how it's uh, shared is really, really important. And that's where self-service becomes really important, right? Like you're, you're not dependent on different, different teams to collaborate with that data. It needs to be available in a manner that allows them to take advantage of that. And, and, and then I would say the, the third aspect of it is really the imagination of strong use cases by imagining the right outcomes. I mean, I have examples of multiple customers who have such incredible use cases that, you know, I'll give you an example of JetBlue. Um, you know, JetBlue, for example, is a Snowflake customer. They put all their data on Snowflake and they have come up with this incredible use case where they you know, run machine learning patterns on weather patterns and can really share that data with every aspect of their, their systems that are needed. And they drive patterns on with where the flights have to be driven every day 
uh, with a with goal of driving, you know, low carbon footprint. You know, imagine like the olden times, you couldn't share that data in real time. Now they're sharing that data real time using Snowflake and uh, can b- basically drive different patterns uh, on how the flight is going to get routed with A, driving carbon footprint reduction, but at the same time, meeting or beating the expectation of reaching the destination on time. So there's no delay to the travel. So, you know, again, this is not just, you know, this is like truly uh, a great example of how uh, they're taking advantage of the data. Yeah, what a compelling example. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Returning for a moment longer to this notion of of, uh, spending 70% of your time with customers, in order to do so, that means that for the majority of your time, others need to be minding the store, so to say, uh, within the technology function. Talk a bit about how your team does that and how you've organized your leadership team to be effective uh, during substantial periods of time where, where you are focused uh, externally rather than internally. Yeah, so I think that there are two aspects of it. Obviously, the first aspect of it is, you know, the the great people that we have hired in our organization that truly are giving me the bandwidth to do that, right? I mean, if I didn't have them in place, then I wouldn't be able to kind of uh, spend this much time with customers. Um, so all the kudos goes to the right set of people that we have hired. But second, I think is also, you know, we're born in the cloud. Um, we are being raised in the cloud. So in essence, I don't really have anything traditional legacy systems that I have to manage, operate, and migrate. Everything that we have bought in the last five to seven years uh, are all the -the state-of-the-art systems that through our suppliers base or things that we have built internally that are all built in the cloud. So from a transformational stuff, 100% of my bandwidth and 100% of my team's bandwidth is really around transformation, around how we are uh, enabling Snowflake businesses to operate and scale. We're not worrying about moving old legacy workloads into the cloud, you know, going and upgrading systems that, uh, you know, were, were on-prem. Those traditional challenges don't exist for me because of the nature of how old we are and how we have been able to choose the right set of platforms right from the get-go. So it's created that bandwidth for me to, to get involved in the things that, you know, I if I was in another company that's like 30 years old or 25 years old and had, let's say, all these traditional legacy systems, then I would be spending a chunk of time trying to worry about those strategies. But I don't have to worry about that over here. <laughs> Very interesting. I also wanted to raise, you know, in a, in a recent conversation you and I had, you, you talked about the desire to focus on platform solutions. Uh, talk a bit about why that is and the advantages of doing so. Yeah, sure. So look, I mean, as I mentioned in the last 10 years, there's so many different solutions that have come up in the marketplace that power up small, small, unique use cases. Well, they give you joy and comfort for that one automation that you're trying to do, but then they give you a ton of pain as the company grows and you want to go scale. It will drive security challenges. It will drive cost challenges. It will drive integration challenges, and they will not really scale the way you would like to scale. So we've been very selective in who we choose and why we choose the type of platforms that we need. I'll give you two examples of that. You know, let's just use ServiceNow. We use ServiceNow 
for our ITSM and for many, many other use cases of it. ServiceNow is a beautiful uh, go-to-market partner with us. They're also a customer of ours. We're a customer of theirs. And having a platform like that, that can power up, you know, use cases like ticketing system, uh, change management system, CMDB, and a bunch of other use cases is really, really powerful for us because now a new functionality that I'm needed, I don't have to go buy all these new functionalities. I know that ServiceNow, for example, either has that in their roadmap or already is in their footprint. So I can take advantage of that rather than buying eight, 10 different solutions that now need to go talk to ServiceNow. And, and examples of the same are with, with Salesforce and others that are platform-based companies. Uh, and that same promise applies to Snowflake, right? Snowflake is also a platform, data cloud platform company. You're not worrying about buying like eight to 10 to 12 other solutions to kind of stitch these things together. Our, in, our intention is when customers buy that, they're not buying like eight different SKUs they're buying one platform and they're taking advantage of one SKU, which is a Snowflake SKU that powers up all those use cases. Whether it's data engineering, whether it's data science, whether it's you know uh, app visualization and so on, or data sharing for that matter. I mentioned at the outset, Sunny, that you're a board member. Uh, you've been for nearly two years on the board of, of uh, GitLab. And I wanted to talk a bit about uh, your pathway to becoming a board level a technologist and the advantages that you've garnered from joining a board. Yeah, great. Uh, thanks. Thanks for asking that question. Um, I think I'll give you a couple of main drivers, how that connection happened. Uh, obviously with NVIDIA and with Snowflake, I have a good amount of experience in how to you know, scale smaller companies to become bigger companies, uh, which is super important re requirement for you know, a company that's trying to go public and GitLab was in that situation when they selected me pre-IPO. And uh, second one is also on the security and compliance. Um, when I came to Snowflake, we, we were a private company. We were investing in thoroughly and trying to make sure everything is secure and, and, and compliant in the spirit of trying to go IPO and become a bigger company. And then at both at NVIDIA and at Snowflake, I've been presenting to the audit committee, I think, for my entire career. Uh, so I have a ton of experience presenting to the audit committee, which now has a more broader set of responsibility just than looking at a financial results and financial compliance. They also want to make sure that the audit committee is also looking at risk, security, and compliance in, in those committee uh, uh, chartership. Having all that experience being on the other side and trying to put that level of rigor and discipline and scale that security and compliance was very you know eligible for me to go be part of the GitLab team at the time they were thinking of IPO and helping them think through making sure that they're ready for that IPO. So uh, I play a role obviously as a board member at GitLab, but I also play a member of the audit committee uh, helping them think through, you know, the whole risk and compliance aspect of it, security aspect of it. And then finally, because I'm a buyer, last part of being on the board is uh, me being a buyer of a lot of software every day. I also help their sales organization think through how to sell to the CIO, how to sell to the, you know, to the security organization, their platform. So that's another element of it that kind of really is, is a changing dynamics in the board tech companies where I think there's going to be more and more CIOs, CTOs, CDOs that will play a role in helping companies uh, that are trying to attract new board members on what A is the 
the risk and compliance posture of it, but also the go-to-market posture of it. Sonny, I can understand why uh, your background was so attractive to them that as they anticipate their own future, that you've been through a number of the steps, uh, complex steps that they anticipate. So, so it's a natural fit, no doubt. And speaking of the future and looking to it, um, I wonder if you could take a look through your own personal crystal ball and let us know what trends excite you as you look to the future. Yeah, I would say that I would like to summarize that in three big areas that I feel the industry is transitioning towards. Uh, one is data sharing, which is really, really important in how uh, organizations are going to collaborate. I mean, the analogy that I would use is the music industry. The music industry 20 years ago, 25 years ago, didn't have Spotify, didn't have iTunes. People were sharing you know, music through all kinds of weird ways, right? Copying CDs and sharing CDs. And, and the artist never got you know, the true... Um, monetization for it and look at look at where music industry is now how quickly an artist can produce a cd and and share that with all his fan base like overnight right overnight so speed matters monetization matters the use of it matters the experience matters well the same challenge applies in the data side right the data industry is is uh, now in this inflection point that it needs data sharing more than ever and the data uh, sharing capability, the data marketplace cap capability also will be a big monetization area for researchers and other institutions that can monetize data because it's such an important asset of how they go to market to. So uh, Snowflake has developed data marketplace, data sharing technology. It's already available for our customers to take advantage. And we're seeing an, an unbelievable set of growth in, in that section of our business. Um, the second is, um, you know, with all of this large language machine modeling um, model buzz that we're seeing, uh, customers who either have disparate solutions or they don't have a solution yet are also don't want to miss out on AI and ML world, you know, and so they need a platform like Snowflake that's highly, highly secured and governed because there's a lot of data over here that is going to go back and forth. There's GDPR implications, there's compliance implications. And so if you look at companies that are most matured on LLM right now uh, that are taking advantage of those use cases on AI and ML um, are either a Snowflake customer or they have a platform, you know, that that is, they don't have to worry about the governance and compliance aspects of it, or at least the big portion of it, we will help them solve that, okay? And then, and then finally, the third portion of it is really, the trend is that the business intelligence world is gonna to migrate towards more of a data science world. And for the data science world, they don't like dashboards. They don't want to just be living in, you know, looking at a reading a newspaper in a dashboard of what happened yesterday. They want an ability to actually write applications on top of Snowflake that will allow them to visualize outcomes through machine learning that um, are taking advantage of Streamlit. They want to take code to the data rather than the data to the code. And so we bought a company called Streamlit. Um, that uh, is powering millions and millions of apps at this stage. And uh, this is all you know, open source. Um, and it's basically taking advantage of uh, you know, incredible data that's sitting in Snowflake that integrates very, very seamlessly. So to summarize that, I think there are three things again, data sharing, 
um, AI and ML LLM use cases that are going to power up the enterprise. And then finally, uh, streamlit and taking advantage of the visualization layer. What a fascinating overview. Thank you for that. I also wanted to ask you, uh, what have been the secrets to your own success along the way, Sonny? You've had a remarkable career to date. Um, and as you contemplate and think about your rise, what have been the difference makers along the way? Yeah, look, I mean, I think I'll just maybe highlight a couple of things. Uh, first, I would say is that the golden rule, right? Treat people the way you want to be treated. I think if you start with that, that's the first principles that you never want to miss out on, no matter what level you're working with, people who are your peers, people who you report into, people who report into you, or no matter what level you are, if you treat people the way you want to be treated, uh, everything kind of, in my mind, falls in place, right? That's that's number one. Uh, number two, I think, is... Um, you know, the role that IT and data and security plays, you're highly, highly dependent on a lot of people. You're dependent on people in the business. You're dependent on people in the industry, suppliers, partners, and so on. So having the ability to cross-functionally influence people on what your ideas are, what your imaginations are, what you're trying to go drive, because you're dependent on them, uh, requires a level of clarity and then, you know, uh, using data to influence them uh, so that there's no doubt is really important. And I think people who are in my professional area uh, have to rely on high degree of data to drive clarity and then high degree of cross-functional influencing skills so that everybody kind of is on the same page and are trying to drive the right outcomes for the, for the company are super critical. I would say these two would be the, the big, big ones for me. Well, certainly good insights for all of us to bear in mind as we think about our own uh, our own professional progress. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you, Sonny Betty, more generally speaking, for a really terrific conversation, uh, sharing insights on the way in which you've organized your team, the remarkable growth that your company Snowflake has been through, uh, the, the methods that you have used uh, and, uh, among a variety of topics that have been really fascinating for us to cover. Thank you so much for a great conversation. Yeah, thank you, Peter. Appreciate it.